are listening to The Currency. My name is Mike Gaston. I'm your host, and I'm thrilled to have you along today. Today, we're going to be talking to Mike Kim, and I'm really excited to have him along. Now, Mike uh, has a distinct honor, and he's the first guest that I've had on the show that I don't know. This is the first time we're speaking. We really uh, have no relationship, so I'm kind of excited to see where this conversation goes. But Mike worked in marketing. He was in the C-suite of, uh, of a multi-million dollar company. He ditched that job in pursuit of career freedom. He now hosts the number one ranked podcast on personal branding and iTunes. That's called The Brand New Podcast, and we'll talk a little bit about that soon. And he helps brands clarify their message. He's consulted for some of today's top thought leadership brands. That includes John Maxwell, Donald Miller, Suzanne Evans, and Catalyst. And uh, you can check Mike's blog out at MikeKim.com. Mike, welcome to the show. It is an honor to be here with you, Mike, and with all of you who are listening in. I'm hopefully going to be able to add some value to, to you today. Oh, I have no doubt. I have no doubt. Now, I referred to the fact that you're the first person that I've interviewed for the podcast that I don't have a relationship with. I guess now we officially have a relationship. We're, <laughs> we're talking. But um, I want to I take a little bit of time just to learn more about who you are. I know that you started your career uh, in the C-suite, and you did even a little bit of ministry work, I think, in, in the meantime. I think you and I have a mutual friend, Sean Pritzkow, who was the first guest on this show. Uh, he has that dubious honor. and um, But then you've kind of transitioned over time into consulting. So do you mind sharing a little bit about what you do now? And then we'll talk maybe about the journey, how you got there. Sure. There are two arms of my business. Um, I, I'm, I'm ensconced right now in the thought leadership space. And what I mean by the thought leadership space is um, are brands who basically make their living off of sharing what they know. It's the expert industry space. So speakers, coaches, consultants, uh, sometimes authors. Uh, I were, I've been in that niche for about the last four to five years. And there's two arms to the business. One is the client side where I'm helping some of the folks that you've mentioned. You know, They're really at the top of the mountain in terms of um, expert industry and thought leadership, John Maxwell, these kind of guys. And I will go in and for, you know, projects, for campaigns or for their entire company, I will help them hone in their marketing because marketing an idea and marketing, you know, some intellectual property is really, really different than marketing, let's say, you know, a, a widget of any kind, you know, a, a hard product. So uh, I work on the client side there. And then there's another side where I work as a business coach to help people market their coaching, consulting, speaking businesses. But oftentimes these folks are people who are starting out. And so uh, those are really the two arms of the business. I serve those people through my own podcast, uh, through my blog, through coaching programs, through courses on marketing, copywriting, and so on and so forth. So um, that's what I do. I basically help thought leadership brands market, mobilize, and monetize their message. So that brings up an interesting question for me. I, I've always been curious, how do you handle marketing a brand to different audiences? The John Maxwells of the world probably are not going to sign up for a $79 course on how to you know, create a personal brand, whereas somebody you know, getting started with a consultancy, they're new to the game, would benefit so greatly from that. How do you put forth the Mike Kim brand and communicate effectively to both audiences? Yeah, that's that's a great question, Mike. Um, the truth is that I don't. I've never marketed myself on the client side. Um, the the and I know that that doesn't sound like a very helpful answer. So let me elaborate on that. This is this is kind of what happened when I went into uh, 
my own thought leadership business, when I wanted to learn how to blog, podcast, do webinars, um, I really started off as a student in the programs of some of these people, or at least their friends. So to give you an example, um, back in 2013, I was, I was working my corporate job as the CMO of this company, and I wanted an outlet. I wanted to share my thoughts. I came from a ministry background, so I was used to being on stage and sharing music or speaking. And when I left that world, I really didn't have an idea, to, uh, um, a platform to share my ideas. And so <clears throat> I joined um, a program from a fellow named Michael Hyatt, and oh, he was yeah. teaching people yeah, how to blog. Mike Hyatt. Yep. Sorry. He, yep. he, yeah, he's, he taught people how to blog because like, I figured, hey, if I'm going to do this, I might as well learn it right. And I became one of his best students. I became one of his best case studies. And since I had a marketing background, I was able to help a lot of the folks that were already in his um, membership site. So that was interesting. So all these folks started to follow me, even though I was learning what they were learning, I was much quicker to implement. I was much more familiar with the technology. I was much more familiar with marketing. And so people started to reach out and said, Mike, can you help me with this? Like, what the heck? How are you building this so fast? I'm like, what? You just do what he said. <laughs> and, um, and so uh, I became one of Michael's best students. And then I, I, I found a few more of his teachers in, in the program. I joined a few of their programs. And the same thing happened. I became some of their best students. And they all started to get to know me. And Mike, this is the, this is the light bulb that went off in my head. I, I said to myself, oh, my goodness, you know what? I actually am a marketer. These folks aren't even marketers. They're just kind of learning it and they're just sharing what they've learned about blogging or podcasting. But I'm actually a legitimate, you know, everyday real world marketer. Um, I can do this. And so I niched down in that personal branding space because so many of the people that were following these guys wanted to become bloggers, podcasters, speakers, coaches, consultants. So I just took my corporate marketing principles and applied them to this space. Well, then I started getting featured on their webinars because they're like, look at what, the, what Mike Kim has done with, you know, my product or whatever. And so all these, all their friends started, who's this Mike Kim guy? Oh, he's a copywriter. Do you think he could help me? <laughs> who's this Mike Kim guy? Oh, did he just branding and consulting and works at this company in New York city? Can he help us? And that's what happened. So I really just became, you know, head of the class student and they referred me to their friends. And literally every, every company that you just mentioned there that I've worked with, John Maxwell, Donald Miller, like they were all referrals from a handful of people whose programs I joined very, very early in the journey. And uh, that's how the clients found me. So, wow. yeah, that's how that's, it worked. And that's, and that's part of your journey. Now, did you start taking Michael Hyatt's course because you had a desire to go out on your own, or was this more like I, I, you, like you said, I want this outlet. I need an outlet, and I just want to invest some time in growing and getting better on this um, side it, outlet. Yeah, it was both. It was both. I definitely wanted to leave my corporate job. I knew I didn't want to stay there forever. And at the time, you know, it was the most money that I ever made. You know, in that job, it was a six-figure job. It was really cush. And the thing is, I knew I didn't want to stay there for very long. So. Um, <clears throat> what I did was I took a year by year approach towards just building up my skill set because that's what most people don't understand about marketing or entrepreneurship is that success is not like success is sequential. It's not simultaneous. You can't just drop everything in your lap and just have everything done overnight. 
So I kind of took uh, that. You, you ever get, you know, go to a Chinese restaurant, you get those like, you know, fortune cookies or whatever. They sometimes have the placemat <laughs> that talks about like yeah. the year of the, you know, the Chinese Zodiac. Right. And sure. Um, I'm not Chinese. I'm Korean, but, but, um, but like I know enough about, you know, the whole year of the whatever. And so I took that approach to building my brand. I said, 2013 shall be the year of the blog. And I took Michael's course and I just really hunkered down on learning blogging. And I just said to myself, on Mondays, hell or high water, there shall be a blog post that comes out. Whether anyone reads it, whether it's any good, there shall be a blog post that comes out every Monday. And naturally, I got better and better at it. But that was the one thing I wanted to do like that I wanted to add to my arsenal. And then 2014 was the year of the podcast. And I added a podcast to my mix. And I said, every Wednesday, a podcast podcast shall come up. And the nice thing was I didn't stop blogging because I had mastered that for about a year before. And then 2015 was the year of the mastermind group, which was my first group coaching uh, group. 2016 was the year of the product launch. Uh, I launched my first big ticket course, about $2,000 a piece. 2017 was the year of the live event. And so you can see here that, you know, all of those five or more things really are now things that I'm very, very comfortable with. But I added them year over year over year because success is sequential, not simultaneous. Wow. That's such a great approach. And I'm, I'm humbled as I hear it because I was actually complaining to my wife this morning. I said, my office is a physical manifestation of where my mind is at. I just have, if you look at my office, I've got podcasting gear and, you know, my uh, consulting documents and my computer. It's like, I'm just all over the place. And I feel, you know, I'm a one-man band and I feel spread mm. and uh, to take that approach. Well, how how do you or did you struggle? How did you overcome if you did struggle this singular focus I'm the kind of person I need feedback. Like I need positive reinforcement. You know, I do something, if I get that pat on the back, whether it's I win a sale or, you know, I, I hit the publish button, I get a new subscriber, I feel great. But doing something for a year takes a lot of long-term fortitude, dedication, focus. How, how did you handle that? Um, you know, the, the real honest answer is that um, it's like going to the gym. You know, I mean, you could want to have a beach body next week, it's just not even physically possible. I mean, you can load up on steroids. It's not going to happen by next week. And what I mean by that is I simply reframed what I was doing as personal and professional development and not necessarily um, trying to serve an audience. Okay. And I know that that's, sounds... That's a big distinction. Though. Yeah, it sounds so counterintuitive, but I was blogging for me. I was podcasting for me. Because these are skills that are very, very like foreign, especially to people who just come out of corporate America, right? The, the person who's working in corporate America, I don't care if you're in the C-suite. You're not writing articles every week. Most people who are in that position are not writing articles every week. Certainly, if you're in mid-management, you're not writing articles for your company every week. Sure. So, but Mike, I wonder though if you're a bit unique in this. And I, I'm just thinking, you know, marketers, you come from the C-suite. Marketers are always focused on what does the audience want? How do I, you know, content strategy? What article should I write to get SEO juice? But I looked, you know, in your bio, we didn't talk too much. You alluded a little bit, but you come from a creative background. You're an artist first. I tend mm -hmm. to think of an artist saying, I'm doing this because I want to express myself. I want to do this for me. 
And I think of a marketer saying, how do I tap into an audience? And it sounds like you may have brought some of your creative background. You were a musician as a child. You were you took illustration and, and design, I believe, when you were younger. Did that inform that or am I just uh, leaping to conclusions? Yes and no. Because here's the thing. Those first few years, the, the first stage of building a brand, especially a personal brand around yourself where you're learning all these new things. You, you just said it, like your office, you're, you're wearing a lot of hats, right, at once. And <clears throat> I, I don't want to mislead people and, and tell, tell anyone that I knew exactly what I wanted to do from day one. That's not true. Clarity comes through a marriage of movement and meditation. It's a back and forth. It's a rhythm. It's a dance. So when I started my blog in 2013, I was like, I'm going to write a marketing blog. And Mike, you and I both know uh, marketing is a very broad topic. It is. I mean, you can talk about a million different things to a million different audiences about marketing. And I didn't know what I wanted to focus on. So I just shared some generic stuff. And it didn't really get read. I didn't really build an audience around it because it was so generic. But my point was, at the end of the day, that was one swing of the bat that I didn't take before. That blog post, every blog post I wrote was a swing of the bat. Every blog post was um, an at-bat, if I could use a baseball analogy. Sure. Every time I did that, I had less fear. I had less doubt. I had more expertise. I like to tell people, action cures fear. (laughs) <laughs> if you That's do it, great saying. Yeah. if you do it, the more times you do it, the less scared of it you become. And I, that, I, that's what sorry, I mean by ahead. that. Yeah. That's what I mean by that. It was, it was, yes, there, it was an outlet for like creative expression, but no one was reading my stuff. But I knew at the end of the day, this was more for me. I had to develop this skill. This is something that like I could not negotiate on. If I was going to really enter the information and expert space, this is what I was signing up for. For the rest of my life, I would have to live a life of creating content. So to overcome that fear, I just kept on doing it. Action cures fear. That's fantastic. And I, I love that analogy of baseball. I've had a similar one of, um, of boxing. Mm. Not that I'm a boxer, uh, but you know, like as a kid, you get into maybe a little bit of fisticuffs here and there. You're terrified of the concept of being punched. But, but the one you've been when you've been punched once, you go, okay, I don't like it, but it's not that bad. You know, like the, you, but you have to have a look at it. And the more you can see that ball come across the plate, like you're saying, the more you can say, okay, I'm not nervous. Now I can start fine tuning. Now I can start actually excelling and mastering this. So I think that's uh, that that's a fantastic, fantastic analogy and, and great example. What, at what point did you realize? So you said, Hey, I want to not do this job forever. This, this uh, corporate job. At what point did you realize, I think I'm going to make the jump? And what was that like? Yeah, everything changed in 2015. And by that time, I had built up a small audience through blogging and podcasting. I'd, by that time, I had niched down into serving the personal brand space. But a lot of folks will ask me, hey, what do you do with that uh, all-important thing called money? <laughs> right? right. You, you go from uh, you know getting a paycheck every week or two weeks or whatever it is to becoming essentially a full-time freelancer, you know, and, and what is that like? And so, um, this is, this is the deal I made with myself. I said, as soon as I can make the same income in my side hustle that I do from my regular job three months in a row, I'll quit. Now that's a lot of money. 
because I was, I was making good money at this corporate job. So let's say that I was making 10, just to make the math really easy. Let's say I was making $10,000 a month at my corporate job working 50 to 60 hours a week. How am I supposed to make $10,000 a month in the time that I have left over? It's really right. tough, right? And so what I started to think through was, do I really need to make that much money? And I was married at the time. This, I wasn't like living out of my mom's basement. I mean, I had a mortgage, I had loans, we had debt. <clears throat> and um, so I started to think through like what I call the smug numbers, S-M-U-G. And um, this stands for, S stands for survival, M stands for middle class, U stands for upper class, and G just stands for gaudy. <laughs> like you just, uh, gaudy amounts of money, no budget, right. nothing, right? Outrageous. Yeah, yeah. outrageous. And so... Um, I talked, uh, you know, with my, my wife at the time and I was like, what number do I need to earn in order for me to leave my day job? And that was the middle class number. And I was living in New Jersey at the time. And I figured living in New Jersey, you could get by with $60,000 a year, right? $60,000. So that became my middle class number for where I lived. Now, if I lived in, you know, the middle of Arkansas, Middle class might be something else, sure. right? But it was really expensive where I lived at the time. And so, <clears throat> instead of focusing on making, <clears throat> sorry, um, you know, $5,000 a month, which is what, you know, would get me to the 60 grand a year. I know I'm getting into the math, but to make 60 okay. grand a year, I need to make $5,000 a month. Instead of focusing on $5,000 a month, I just focused on making 10% of that a month. So I just hmm. said, if I can make $500 extra a month for three months in a row, I think I'll learn a few things. I think I'll, you know, kind of build up the confidence that I need. And if you really think about that, earning an extra $500 a month for an entire year is $6,000. And I started to think through that, Mike, and I was like, wait, what would I have to do at work? How hard would I have to work to get a $6,000 raise a year? I'd have to bust my tail. I mean, most people mm -hmm. listening to this would understand that, you know, like, oh my gosh, like, yeah, you'd have to work like a, like a dog to get that kind of a raise every and year. No, no guarantee of the raise. You're still at the mercy of uh, someone above you saying, yeah, we'll give it to you or not, no matter yep. what you do. Yep, yeah. absolutely. And so I just figure, wait, wait a second. I should not, I should not like minimize the impact of this amount of money. Like this is life-changing money. Like for pe for m many people, five hundred extra dollars a month is life changing money. So while I wanted to leave my day job full time, boom right away, I also learned to honor the 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 process. And I was like, wait, five hundred extra dollars a month? That's like all of our car payments. That's like you know a month's worth of groceries. Like that's a lot of money. It's real money. It's yeah. real money. So if I'm going to focus on building a brand. Um, and, and getting out of my corporate day job, well, I got to realize that this is actually life-changing money. Most people aren't doing this. And I had to remind myself of that when I wanted to run faster, when I wanted to, you know, get out of the day job a little quicker, when I was sick of the commute. But I focused on that, and here's what happened. I learned to scale. I learned to scale the amount of money I was making, and I learned to view my day job as a client. And that mm -hmm. was really important for my own mindset because when people wanted to hire me as a freelancer, 
and they would say, well, I got this $250 writing project. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm sorry. I have a, I have a 100,000 plus per year client. Sure. That was my day job, but that was the reframe that I made in my mind. That's, that's wise. Yeah. And then it allowed me to say no to them. Right. And stand my ground with positioning. And so I just bided my time and in the margins of my time, I really worked on what mattered, which was growing the blog, growing the podcast, mastering those skills of marketing channels as marketing channels, um, building trust with my audience, putting out the best content I could think of. And, you know, really that is what moved the needle. Then once I put out to my audience that I wanted to start a group coaching cadre, people applied like crazy. And now I had folks join in, pay $500 a month. And I had, you know, 12 people on a phone call uh, at once. Now I'm making $6,000 a month working 90 minutes a week. And that (laughs) changed my economics because now I had earned that money and I'd hit that middle class number right? The $5,000 a month, I hit it just from that group coaching. And then I was able to quit my day job. And immediately, Mike, all these client projects, all these other opportunities came to me. It was like the universe leaned in and saw that I'd taken a risk and said, you have paid the price. You have worked on yourself. Here are the new opportunities that are coming your way. And I feel that the market always self-corrects. It really weeds out the people who have not really had the discipline um, to be the best that they can be at that time at the things that they're doing. And that's why I'm such a stickler for pick one channel for a year, really learn it, really master it. And once you do, everything else will be an offshoot of that. And so that's what mm-hmm. I did. That, that was my process with the money. And it's in your building this foundation. So each channel that you pick or project, whether it's the blog, a YouTube channel, podcast, you're not forsaking it. You're building a foundation that, that continues and you can build on top of that and you get that kind of compound. It's almost like compound interest down mm-hmm. the road uh, effect. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, a lot of folks will ask me these days because I speak a lot at conferences. And like, Why don't you go out and speak? I was like, hmm, you know, um, that was very intentional because it just didn't make sense for me. I knew I wasn't going to get paid as a speaker because most marketing conferences don't pay their speakers, right? Oh, okay. So most marketing conferences do not pay their speakers. And if you want to get paid speaking gigs, you have to be seen already as this massive expert to come into a company and do one of their corporate trainings. And that didn't make sense to me because I wanted exposure. I didn't want to go speak somewhere and be behind closed doors where I had to sign an NDA And I couldn't post the pictures on social media, right? And then third, I didn't have any vacation days. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I'd have to leave home to go speak somewhere to a bunch of people whose pictures I couldn't take and or go to a conference, take vacation days and speak at an event where I didn't make any money. Right. And so, I told everybody, like, yeah, I didn't want to be a professional speaker. I certainly had the, the experience in it. But I bided my time and I was like, well, instead of public speaking, I'm going to sit at home and record a podcast and that's going to be my speaking channel for a while. Hmm. And so I found a way to just kind of, you know, um, discipline myself to focus on what made sense at that time. Blogging and podcasting, I could do anywhere. And then once that built up, the group coaching I could do from anywhere because it was just an hour and a half a week and I could do it from a computer 
where, wherever I had an internet connection. Now I'm doing a lot of speaking and it's great for my business, but it really, I got to tell you, man, it really does jack up my schedule, oh, you know, I and I can't I imagine having done this and depending on this, um, in the early days, it just would not have been wise. So that's what made sense for me. It's a great advice. And I'll tell you, it's great advice, not just for individuals wanting to consult or launch a personal brand, but even for corporations, I'm sure you see this, but I work with clients, you know, it's a decent sized privately owned companies. They're not small and they're spread. They're wanting to do, and it's not just clients. I just see this all over, but they, they want to have a toe in everything. And often my advice is similar, not pick a year, but just like, let's dial in and just pick two or three things that we can do really well. Mm-hmm. Let's establish ourselves in those things. We can always add Twitter later. We can always, you know, start a YouTube channel later, but let's do these two or three things really well and kill it. And, uh, and then build off of that. And so I'm, I'm hearing a parallel there and, uh, but I've never really thought about that on the personal level, uh, you know, if you want to launch a consultancy. Yeah. And, you know, it's so many people get stuck on marketing because they're not sure what they want to say. Right. Right. And, all, all the, you know, sometimes people, consultants like you and I will go in and what are your goals for marketing? And you and I know this because we worked with a ton of clients. All their goals are the same. They want to make more money. Right. <laughs> like mar- we're, we're investing in marketing because we want more sales. Right. We want to scale. Yep. Yep. And so the goals never change. That's what I find funny. Like people, you know, what are your goals for your marketing? Duh. They they want to make more money. Where they get stuck is how they're going to market. And when they have their toe in, in, you know, all these different things, they struggle because they're spread out. And uh, whether you're a big company or you're a solo entrepreneur, if you're going to engage in marketing these days, you have to learn how to create content because that's just the way social media is. You Mm -hmm. have to create content. So, where they get stuck is, well, what kind of content do we create? We know we have to create content. We, we're going to get, like, that's where they get stuck. What do we actually say? And so, I tell people there are three primary reasons why folks tune into any kind of content. And you just pick one. And you double down on that. So, people will tune into content on Instagram or on Facebook or online or on podcasts because they either want to be, number one, educated. They want to be, number two, inspired. Or number three, they want to be entertained. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it's education, inspiration, entertainment all day. And if your business, whether you're a solo entrepreneur or a Fortune 50 company, can do one of those three things in your marketing, you're going to win. And usually a brand will focus on one of those three things and once in a while touch on the other two. And it's really important that you touch on the other two. Otherwise, you become one-dimensional as a brand. So, for me, I'm primarily an educational brand. I'll teach personal branding. I'll teach copywriting. I'll teach marketing strategies and tactics and so on and so forth. But if somebody goes on to my Instagram account and only sees educational content, they're going to see me as this teacher who's standing in an ivory tower and preaching to the masses, right? I become very one-dimensional. I can build a good business off of that. But I become very one-dimensional. And after a while, I don't, I don't differentiate myself because I am one-dimensional. Because right. they haven't gotten to know me. So, if you go on my Instagram, I'm very, very intentional about this. Um, I try to pepper my content with inspirational content. Now, I am not a full-time inspirational, motivational speaker it would drive me nuts if I did that, right? I am not a unicorns and rainbows type person yeah, when I wake yeah. up in the morning, right? 
But there are certainly things that I'm inspired by and things that I can say that it can, can inspire others because of my personal development, because of my professional development, because of the risks I took as an entrepreneur. And so people look, because I want to travel so much, people look to that and get inspired. And third, I try once in a while just to be entertaining. And it's just my own sense of humor. It's my dry, weird, northeast, you know, sense of humor, Where right? Sure. And, and people are like, that is hilarious. I can't believe you posted that on Instagram stories, or I can't believe you said that in a blog post or whatever. Um, but I'm still primarily an educational brand. So just peppering the inspiration and the entertainment into it makes me a complete brand. It, it really makes people feel like they've gotten to know me. And so when I look at a company, I say, even if you're primarily educational, we've got to pepper in some inspiration on some entertaining content, a blooper reel, an outtake reel. That's why we love I mean, you'll watch a very serious TV show like Game of Thrones that is taking place in some fictional fantasy world where, I mean, it's not a funny show at all. And then we still want to watch the outtakes of the actors because sure. we want to get to know them. And yeah. so that's just kind of like a word of advice for anyone who wants to, you know, pick a certain marketing channel and you're worried about getting stuck. Just ask yourself, hey, is this educational? Is this inspirational? Or is this entertaining? And that will probably get the gears turning so you can create that content. So, Mike, um, before we jump in, I just want to promote your Instagram account a little bit. If folks want to follow you, I follow Mike. He's great. I, actually, I would advise two things. Follow Mike's Instagram account. That's at Mike Kim TV, M-I-K-E. K-I-M-T-V. And then also check out his podcast. It is fantastic. It's uh, MikeKim.com forward slash show. It's called The Brand You Podcast. And I want to maybe use this as a segue, Mike, because I was um, really blown away by a recent episode. It was the uh, behind the scenes of my $25,000 live product launch. And what blew my mind about this is how much you were willing to share. So you launched a product recently, uh, a digital product. And this podcast, you spent, uh, gosh, it was at least 30, 40 minutes just really going in deep, sharing all the details of what you did, the results, why you did it. You kind of were giving away the store. What's your philosophy on that? I mean, it's fantastic content. How do you see the value come back from that? I, I feel, Mike, that, well, first of all, thank you for those kind words. Marketing to me, marketing isn't about closing a sale. It's about opening a relationship. And if I'm going to use podcasting as a marketing channel and I withhold things from you as a listener, what does that do to our relationship? I mean, any relationship that you think of when one person is withholding things from the other, <laughs> um, that, I mean, that is, that is not conducive to a healthy relationship. Not healthy. No, Absolutely. Right? I want to have a healthy relationship with my listeners, with my followers, with my readers, because I see them as people. I'm not one of these folks that, yeah, I have, I have good download numbers, sure. But at the end of the day, every person that listens to that show is a person. And I remind myself of that every day. And I think about who I was when I was driving you know, that one hour commute in New Jersey, New York traffic every single day, wanting to get out of that job. And I was like, what do I wish people were telling me? What do I wish I knew at the time, you know, in, in what it really takes to do this? And that's just a core tenet of mine. I'm going to tell people what it really takes. I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to withhold things. 
there's so much more that I can teach that I can't fit into a 30 or 35 minute or 45 minute podcast. Mm -hmm. And so if they want more, um, I'll help them. A lot of the times these days, you know, information is becoming more and more cheap, if you will. Anyone can share information, but implementation, accountability, coaching, people will need that for the rest of their lives because people are people. We, we, we need that. And I, in fact, I just hired a personal trainer because I work out about four times a week. I would like to think that I'm in pretty good shape, but once conference season starts, it plummets because I'm just too busy yeah, because I don't sure. have accountability. And so what I figure, Mike, is that if I tell people what it really takes, I realize that the vast majority of people will never implement what I've just told them. And if I want to build a business around my expertise as a person, as an expert, whatever it is, let me tell them what to do and then let them pay me to help them do it. Sure. And that's the, that's the way that I look at it. So, um, it's part of the reason why folks are so engaged with my content. And I'm very flattered by that. I've heard from even A-list gurus that have said, your emails are the only ones that I read. I read like every email you send to your list. Yeah, I look I look forward to your emails as well. Oh, thank you. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and that's just the philosophy. It's, you know, marketing is not about closing a sale. It's about opening a relationship. And in any healthy relationship, I want to be transparent. I want to be authentic. I want to be helpful. I want to add more value than I receive, if that's possible. Sure. And I know that, you know, the universe and God will conspire to bless me on the other side of that. And it's worked so far. So, yeah, yeah there's, there's absolutely, you know, we talk about brand. There's absolutely an element of generosity. If I were to look at traits or qualities to a brand, I'd say the Mike Kim brand. And part of it is generosity and, and even an, an attitude of abundance. So you're freely sharing, you're kind of opening your life to people. I mean, you're not, you know, I, I, I'm on your Instagram. You're not uh, tedious with here's the sandwich I'm eating right now, but you're open. Right. And, um, but it's still professional and uh, there's just a sense of generosity. At the same time, you don't come across as uh, the buddy next door. I can just like, Hey, this guy's a heavy hitter. He's very generous. He's open, but he's also a heavy hitter. How, you know, have you been purposeful about constructing an image or are you more interested in saying, I just want to be authentic and that's, and that's my brand? Yeah. You know, there's, there's a lot of talk about that word authenticity, right? I hate and, it by the way, yeah, but I don't mean to, I, I'm more interested in truth than authenticity, but that's a whole nother podcast. It is. It's a, we could talk about that for another hour, you know, and, yeah, um, yeah. you know, like I, I tell people, Every context is different, right? So I work with all sorts of people and, and here's, here's what happens. The folks that struggle the most with building a business or a brand around themselves or even just starting a podcast, let's say they just want to do it as a hobby. Um, they don't ever intend to quit their career. They just want another channel of um, personal or professional expression. And the folks that struggle the most with it are people who come from very regulated industries. What I mean by that is the, the hardest folks to encourage in, um, let's say, starting a podcast or launching a blog or becoming an entrepreneur are people who are uh, have a background in law, healthcare, mm. education, or government. Understood. And that makes sense because they come from such regulated industries. They, they, they get their wrists slapped every time they do something that's out of the status quo. And so what I tell them is this, authenticity will always have an audience. Because that's the right message for those people. 
right? Because they're like, no, I can't tell people what I really feel about something. I can't be honest about that, right? Because they come from such regulated industries. Right, right. Whereas when I work with a millennial who's grown up with Instagram or, you know, Snapchat their entire adult life, it seems, I tell them, no, authenticity will not have an audience. I do not need to see what you're eating. (laughs) I do not need to hear your thoughts on every single thing that happened during the day. Um, You talking about what happened at Starbucks that morning when that lady was rude to you does not add value to my life, right? It is not, and I'll go back to what I said before, it is not educational, it is not inspirational, and it is not entertaining. And that's where you're touching on the thing that I react. That's the thing that I was reacting to that. Just let it all hang out. You know, mm-hmm. you see these corporate brands wanting to do that. And it's like, ah, I don't want that from you. I want something different from you. I don't want to mm-hmm. lie. Mm-hmm. But don't don't try to, you're not in a hoodie and a pair of jeans. You're, you're a multi-billion dollar business. Right, right, right. Yeah. It's absolutely true. So, um, getting back to like what you asked me about, do I create an image? Yeah, everything is an image. But... What I post is is reality, you know, and it's really it really boils down to this, Mike. It, my strategy on social media is show and tell, right? Or tell and show, really. Um, if I tell people that I'm a speaker and a podcaster, well, it just makes sense that my Instagram or Facebook or or podcast should allude to me speaking. And so I have kind of this, this internal code uh, that I follow, especially with Instagram because it's such a visual platform, that for every nine pictures that are on Instagram, because that's how many pictures people see when they look at your profile and they scroll once, for every nine pictures, there will be a picture of me speaking. And mm. if you look at my, my feed, you know, three, four, five of the photos will be me traveling somewhere. Um, but every nine photos for the last several months will have one picture of me speaking because in my bio, I tell people I'm a speaker. So it's a show and tell. Um, if I love traveling, you know, I, I travel a ton now. Um, I'm single now and I work locationally independent. I love traveling. If I'm going to tell people that I love to travel and I love this digital nomad life, well, I've got to show them it's a show and tell. And for inspirational content, you know, once every, you know, nine photos or so, I'll post a quote on my Instagram and -hmm. I'm showing and telling. And so that's really the strategy that it boils down to. It's, it's being really intentional because those are, that is me. All of those things are me. You know, I try to be educational, inspirational, entertaining. And, um, you know, at, at the end of the day, like I can try to make myself look a certain way. But the reality is those are the clients that I work with. I have, I have pictures with me and John Maxwell, you know, sitting there and doing an interview together. That was really me. I didn't right. stage that. I didn't buy that photo. Right. And so I think people pick up on that. And, um, I, I thank you for your kind words because I really do try to be real and, um, and just let that be what connects me to people and build a relationship. But you're, you're, you're real and thoughtful at the same time. You're thoughtful about what you're putting out there, but you're also uh, truthful, authentic in a way that's, that's uh, people can get their arms around. Mike, I know we're running out of time here, but one last question. If um, you were to give one piece of brand advice, just kind of foundational piece of brand advice to large companies, to individuals that want to launch a career in either freelancing, consulting, small companies, what's that one essential piece of branding advice that you'd share? It would, it would be kind of just the theme of today's conversation, Mike. It is always remember that marketing 
is about opening a relationship, not closing a sale. Because if you can do that and if you can engage people in a conversation, they'll continue to speak. Any healthy conversation, there's a back and forth, right? And once you put some content out there, once you start marketing, once you start trying to be helpful with people, to people, um, through, again, those three things, not to sound like a broken record, educate, <laughs> inspire, entertain, um, people will talk back to you. And that's really what I look for. I look for people to write me back on my emails. I look for people to leave comments on my Instagram posts. Um, I look to people to say, you know, hey, I heard this podcast episode and it was really helpful. Because to me, a relationship is healthy when you have good, good, healthy conversation and there's a back and forth. I don't want to be a guru in an ivory tower preaching to the masses. Mm. And I don't think people really want that either. Um, the more and more social media decentralizes that. Uh, the more and more we as businesses need to understand we need to meet people where they are and connect to them that way. Well, my guest today has been Mike Kim. He is the host of the number one podcast on personal branding on iTunes. That's the Brand You Podcast. You can follow Mike at Mike Kim TV. That's on Instagram. And you can check out his website. That's MikeKim.com. Mike, thank you so much for joining me today. My pleasure, Mike. It was an honor to be with you and it was an honor to be with all of you who tuned in today. And I look forward to continuing the conversation with you. Thanks so much for joining us today on The Currency. It's been a real pleasure to have this conversation with Mike. So a special thanks to him and, and to you folks listening. Thank you so much. What a great audience you've been. I've appreciated everyone that's participated, that's listened, that's given comments and feedback. And I'm looking forward to seeing this, this uh, community grow. If you haven't done so already, take a moment and please subscribe. You can find The Currency on Apple iTunes, Spotify, Google, Stitcher Radio, anywhere that fine podcasts are provided. You can also follow me. Just look for me on the social medias. Typically, just look for at Mike Gaston. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. You can find me on Twitter. And if you want to get me on Instagram, I'm at Mike.Gaston. So guys, thanks so much for your time. I love you all. And I will check you in the next episode.